This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe talk everything Milton Keynes dons. Well, as usual, gents, a busy week in Milton Keynes, but it wouldn't be a normal week without it being busy. Uh, of course, two games to, uh, well, one to go over very thoroughly and one to yes, push aside a little bit. And of course, a chance to win there to review. Um, Ross, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well after the weekend, mate. Yeah, I think we all are, aren't we? It was uh, very pleasing, to say the least. Um, Joe, how about yourself? Yeah, all in all, been a good uh, good weekend. Plenty to look forward to moving forward. So, yeah, all good. Yeah, definitely. And let's, uh, let's kick off with the weekend. Uh, of course, our first return to Plough Lane in 30 years. I made it one worthwhile. Uh, you know, Tina win over the opposition, as we like to call them. Um, you know, pretty, well, first half, you know, typical away performance, team pressing us. We didn't struggle to get used to the game, but it took us a little while to get into it. Of course, I had a chance in the first half. And Cameron Drone with his little, uh, what I like to call it, movement. I don't know what it was. He just didn't take the ball on his feet and have a shot. Um, but second half, had the classic Russ team talk we, talk we spoke about on the on the uh, Twitter feed and came out and scored twice. And really, really impressive because um, Albie from the uh, Sit Down with Club pod sort of mentioned how the two players that scored are both brought up around the Fulham Academy, which is uh, interesting to say the least, just down the road from um, Wimbledon. And um, yeah, really pleased. Um, you know, getting a win there is uh, brilliant. Uh, Joe said it right in the background for anyone who can't hear the visuals. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely thrilled with that performance. And Ross, I'm sure you feel the same. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I felt um, the first half, as we said, um, it had a very much a derby feel to it. I felt neither team wanted to make the mistake, and um, most of them were nervous in the game, which you can understand. I felt in the first half, we didn't really have any real tempo to our game. And this was down to the AFC's press. Um, they pressed our back line very well and into half chances as such. But overall, 
they didn't have any real quality in the final third to punish us. Then um, Russ rallied up the boys at half time, and we were a completely different side in the second half. We've emphasised how crucial Thompson is when uh, he's fit and performing. Um, but the main person I wanted to speak about was the man of the match in Harry Darling, winning three out of the four ground duels, uh, two out of the three aerials. And um, one word which describes him very well was immense. He just cleaned up absolutely everything which came his way and um, he more than warranted the man of the match trophy. Um, but in summary... I felt um, overall it was a great team performance and uh, one which I won't forget for many years due to it being the first one at Flower Lane. Yeah, I mean, Harry Darling's come in and really taken that role by, well, both hands, hasn't he, really? It's, it's been quite incredible, to be honest. The first two games he's played, team man of the match was, you said, Ross. Um, I really can ask so much more. And... Um, well, he's got the ultimate test coming up, as he spoke about with uh, Josh and the Speaks London podcast on um, Saturday with Charlie Wyke. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was just really pleasing. Like, I didn't, I said, I said in the pop, I didn't really care how we won. We just wanted to win. And to do it in the way we did was really impressive. And yeah, the, the, the tweets the club put out regarding the uh, Matt O'Reilly goal, the build up to it was really nice. It'd be nice to hear that angle a bit more. And then rather than the zoomed in eye follow angle, which doesn't really show a lot of the actual game in general. Um, Joe, I mean, you mentioned, I'm sure you agree with a lot of what me and Ross have said, but what were your thoughts in general on the game on Saturday? Yeah, I think <clears throat> the first half, it, it, that's a good way to describe it. It was, it, let's not make the first mistake. And, you know, I think AFC, they had a few moments, a few set pieces, but nothing that really amounted to anything. And I think it tends to be a theme in a lot of our games. If we ride out the first half, we tend to really, really just... But by the time the second half came, they, they, they looked knackered and so there were spaces starting to open up. And Matt O'Reilly mentioned... Uh, mention this so you know some a lot of the time some uh, people you know they might not think might think what we're doing is a bit pointless in in terms of just keeping the ball slowing it down but the other team's getting absolutely knackered chasing it around and they're not going to be able to keep it up for 20 uh, for, for, for 90 minutes so as long as we don't make any mistakes then we're, we're you know we're, we're going to have a, a great chance in the second half and um I, I, uh, you mentioned harry darling who yeah yeah absolutely unbelievable um, but I wanted to mention uh, two players, Matt O'Reilly and also Cameron Drone. I think Matt O'Reilly, he's you can just see that sharpness coming back. You saw the glimpses of quality in his first game, um, but I think you can really start to see um, him, him making a, re a real impact. He um, he obviously scored the goal with a you know, perfectly timed late run into the box, which is something we've not really had. I mean, we've had, we've got Fraser, of course, but you know you, you do need. Um, People arriving late into the box, and you know, people chipping in from, from from chipping in with goals from other areas of the pitch. And I thought Cameron Jerome, um, wow, he, he he, you know, we've said it before, but he covered every blade of grass, and he actually set up two of the goals. So, you know, if he sets up two goals every game rather than scoring them, yeah, I couldn't care less. Yeah, uh, Cameron Jerome really embraced his inner Carter Morrison in that system on Saturday. It was, it was the hard-working player, all the link-up players that we would be saw from Morris when he was here. And really being unselfish, and you know, as many of the players have said, the goals will come once again. You know, he's on a bit of a, a dry spell at the moment in terms of goals, but that's not a bad thing. As we said previously in other episodes, you know, Shaggy doesn't need to score goals to have decent games. 
and you know Cammy's kind of proven that right now and it's nice to see and of course with the with Mason and the course of the recruit which we're to talk about later coming in they're hoping to score the goals for him and he doesn't have to be that sole reliant goal scorer that we've you know seen become a joint top goal scorer for the side alongside uh, Scott Fraser um, Ross I wanted to touch upon uh, Matty Saranola because obviously you know he didn't start the game and you know, Dan Harvey was on the left wing and Matty came in and you know a lot of people said that he was a pivotal part to that team you know making that making those two goals and of course he had the shot for the second goal whether you want to give it to him or not uh, we did ourselves personally but there's been a long debate hasn't it for us whether we think it's Harvey or Saranola and of course whenever Saranola does something it's the debate always of oh is Saranola now the guy there or not and um, did did Saturday change your opinion on that whole debate or um, are you still feeling very similar about it? Um, no, it hasn't changed my mind one bit in, in the sense of the stats are there and it's proof in the pudding that Harvey's a better wing-back and um, I felt Sorinola had as much much success in that second half when he came on. Um, as to Joe said, the, the AFC players, they were tired and they're restless and um, it suited Sorinola's game to a tee. He could be calm. He had the time. Um, and when he did burst forward, um, he made it look effective. But um, with his goal, um, I know myself and Joe have spoke about it, but um, there's a lot of luck in, inside that goal. Um, it was going well wide. He'd shot At least and, it had uh, a go, just, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the main thing, yeah, It's having the shot. And um, if, you did, if you didn't have the shot, it wouldn't have went in at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, it was going well wide and um, he got a slice of luck. And um, but I'm not I'm not hot um, I'm not saying he played bad at all um, but yeah it was you can't really take that as a um, outstanding performance because of in the context of the game everyone was tired at that point when he came on. Yeah, um, he definitely benefited off that when AFC Wimbledon press, you know, really. Well, they're very knackered, really. As you said, Tyler retired and, you know, Matty came in fresh. He's an energetic player, likes to get up and down that wing. And, you know, he, he played a pivotal part in both goals. So, fair play to him. And if he can keep doing that, then I'm sure he'll be uh, getting more chance in the team. I, I want to well, just... Oh, sorry, sorry, Joey. Sorry. I was just going to add, I think um, Fish was really important in this game because I think, especially in that first sort of 20 minutes, he, he, he was quite busy. He had a few saves to make. They were putting balls in. He came, claimed them. And in second half, it was just about his distribution, just really calm figure on the ball. And it just helps us out because it gives it gives the rest of the team a breather as well. And so, you know, he, overall, he did have a quiet game. But when he was called upon, he was he was solid again. Yeah, it's what we expect for Fish now, isn't it, really? He's just, he just oozes confidence and reliability. And as much as Darling is a rock in that back three, Fish is the guy behind him who's really, you know, solidifies place and that's why he's got in his contract you know he's deserved it quite frankly and hopefully he'll be here for a, well at least a little while or hopefully for a long time also a player that Resmar I said he wants to see a bit more from is Ethan Laird and obviously we spoke about on pod previously how that we feel what I felt at least he needs a bit of consistency in terms of the players around him and you know, that seems to be the case now with Thompson O'Reilly and Joe I was going to ask you what did you think of Ethan Laird on Saturday? And do you think he showed a bit more promise than perhaps others thought he hadn't uh, previously? Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, it is, it is hard. He's a young player. 
And I think as well with the competitions, like we had the FA Cup, we've just had the um, the uh, Papa John's Trophy. It, it's, you know, he's in, he's out. There's been no real consistent run. And now I think we've got, it's 21 league games left in the season. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that he's probably going to be starting the vast majority of them. And I think that the team is going to be much more settled now because, you know, we're not going to have cup-tied players, um, people coming back from injury as well. So, yeah, I think the consistency is something that's really key. Um, but I was, I was really, he was, he was very busy um, on, um, on, on Saturday. He, he was involved in 17 duels. So it just shows you, like, he, he was really trying to get stuck in and assert himself in the game. Um, he also put in three crosses. One of them met a Don's player, uh, led to a shot. So, you know, again, that's, you know, a de decent figure. And yeah, he, it's just, um, he is a bundle of energy. Sometimes he tries to do too much, but I think just with regular playing and actually playing with the players he's playing with, getting used to them, I think that in time we will see the quality consistently rather than the glimpses we've seen so far. Yeah, um, hopefully it's not too late. We have to wait until we see that from Laird, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to show that in the next couple of games in which maybe a bit more open in terms of play style, especially with Sunderland Arpros on Saturday. Yeah, they're going to want to attack us more. And that left-hand side for them seems to be a quite attacking side, as we saw it with uh, Jordan Jones last night, one of the new recruits who seems to be wanting to get up the field. And it seems to be a key area for them that they want to address in this window. Um, we'll sort of round off the AS Wimbledon game by talking a bit about Joe Mason. Um, of course, we bring in another striker um, alongside Brown um, in Will Grigg, who we'll get touch upon later, I'm sure. Um, but for me, Joe Mason didn't do a grand amount against AS Wimbledon. And, well, I mean, he's according to Sophie, he was the poorest performing player on the pitch. And I think that kind of reflects that a little bit. Yes, he didn't give off any of the goals, but in terms of actually build up play, he didn't he didn't really do a lot for me, and that seems harsh. Of course, he, he had a good game against Fleetwood uh, a couple of games ago. And of course, I'm not expecting him to be doing well every single game. But of course, I want to ask you, Ross, you know, with these inhibitions coming around him, it's obviously puts a bit of pressure on Joe Mason to really try and get a bit of consistency, like we demanding from players like Laird. And I suppose what I'm asking you is do you agree with Maybe Joe Mason didn't do too much for you on Saturday. And also, what are your thoughts on his potential spot in the side going forward with these new recruits? It's always a difficult one with Joe Mason because of uh, we've seen the quality he, he has um, individually. But as you say, Liam, on Saturday, um, he had a few chances. Um, we we're on the counter and he just slowed his right down. It was like, well, you're just letting AFC reset and get back in that block. And sometimes, it, especially when you're on the counter-attack, you need to be quick um, and have that side and final pass. And for some reason, Mason just... I, I feel like he lacks that um, final edge in the box um, and or around the box as such. And I feel like with, obviously, us buying Greg, it might actually um, improve him as a player and give him a bit of competition and that pick up the arse which he needs. So I'm not saying he's playing um, poor, but he's 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 looking very averaged in this side. And um, we've, we've obviously Morris leaving. We've needed someone to, uh, to do Morris's job and Jerome's doing that. But now we need someone who can put the chances away. And yeah, Mason isn't getting them chances, but he's not creating them either. And that's the concerning thing. 
But obviously, as you said, said Liam, with Griggy coming through the door, I feel like it can only improve Mason as a footballer. And I'm hoping that get uh, gets him his hunger back as such um, to go punish teams in front of a goal. I think I know what Joey might say, but a fair argument is, is that I don't think Will Grigg will create chances either. But I do agree. And by the way, we loan Grigg, we didn't buy him, <laughs> just to be clear. Um, but we may buy him in the future. Who knows? Depends how he does it. Um, but yeah, I do agree with that. I was impressed with Mason on Saturday, as you maybe you've probably obviously found that out. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, Saturday could be his last chance to really transmit his place in the team. Of course, we've brought in Grig for a reason. We're paying him, you know, for the squads, for the, the size of our squad. It's a, it's a considerable wage. He's not he's not earning pennies, let's say the least. He's on the same money as the likes of some of our first team players. So he's been brought in for a reason to score these goals. And if Mason, again, against Sunderland on Saturday, doesn't do anything again, then is every chance that Will Grigg comes in on Tuesday against Rochdale and starts alongside Jerome and uh, we'll see what Will Grigg have got ourselves in for, quite frankly, uh, for the rest of the season. OK, so that kind of rounds off our AC Wilden review. Um, obviously, really, really impressive performance. Really happy getting the first win there in 30 years. Um, you can't ask much more, really. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll transition into the January transfer window very shortly. podcast is a proud member of the fan hub 100 football without fans is nothing so we've partnered with fan hub to put fans first search fan hub app to play your part in the journey okay so review day soon we're now on to the January transfer window review um really it was a really busy window weren't it for the dons um six outgoings six incomings a permanent signing um, from a loan and of course two contract extensions um, just to recap uh, the outgoings uh, were Regan Paul uh, George Williams uh, Hiram Bowen back out on loan uh, Bailey Cargill Steve Walker returning to Middlesbrough and Carlton Morris and then the incomings were Charlie Brown Ethan Laird on loan Matt O'Reilly Harry Darling and then the two dead on day boys in Zach Jules and Will Grigg and then of course we had a horror making his stadium came move permanent from Brighton and then Andrew Sermon, Andrew Fisher getting contract extensions. So before we review the window fully, let's touch upon a deadline day. Well, actually, no, sorry, before we get into the day, even that, we have got to touch on Regan Paul first, of course. Um, Regan Paul moved on to Lincoln City, of course, before, maybe uh, five minutes before the game kicked off against uh, AFC Wimbledon. Um, so I'll pass it over to you, boys. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on uh, Regs moving on? A um, bit of a surprise, I suppose, but yeah, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, as you say, Liam, it was it was a surprise. Um, I really liked Paul for how uh, versatile he was in that back line. Um, he was predominantly used as a wing back, but we saw a little little cameo um, after Keo left, a right centre back. Um, I only ever saw him as a squad player or cover as such. Um, but you can't begrudge a player for wanting more game time at the end of the day. And with O'Hara and Laird playing like they are, he just wasn't going to get that here. But um, I think overall it's good business from the club. Yeah, I, I was pretty good to see Regan leave. Um, he's one of those players I kind of liked in the squad and I was always encouraging him to be that right back that we needed. And of course, he eventually got that chance, but unfortunately he didn't really take it uh, fully in his grasp. And 
I think that's what ultimately has seen him move on. You know, of course, we saw Ethan Laird come in and then uh, Warren Horace come in. And as each signing came in, he fell more and more down the pecking order. And I, this wasn't meant to be. Um, and to get what we have done for him, reportedly, um, is nice. And you can see that it's been reinvested into the squad already, which is good. And in positions that we definitely need um, more than more so than we did for where Regan wants to say that's good business, in my opinion. Um, Joe, do you kind of agree with myself and Ross in terms of the sort of nature around the Regan Paul move? Yeah, I mean, it's a shame because I would love him as a squad player. I think he's an excellent backup. He can cover a couple of positions. But at the end of the day, he's probably not on a backup player's wages. And, you know, in, in these sorts of times, I think that, you know, we'll go on to it a bit more, but we've, I think the recruitment team's shown recently that they're, <laughs> they've got the people lined up that potentially suit Ross Martin's way of playing a bit more. And, you know, if we're going to get a fee for, fee for him as well, then, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. And I, I don't mind it at all. Yeah. And um, we mentioned about how that money was reinvested and we can now go on to the Sunday signings. And I think one of those where it was invested was definitely in Zach Jules, uh, 23-year-old centre-back coming in from Wolves or in League Two, um, left-sided player, you know, six foot three, quite tall and powerful from what we've seen. Um, I feel like he addresses a lot of issues in the squad, and I think for me, and I think the general consensus is that he will be not in Benetton straight away. Um, of course, Dean Lewington is the, the main staying position at left centre back, but there's every chance that Jules will um, be a project. It's a bit like Charlie Brown and coming a bit later, maybe towards the end of the season and the start of next season. And um, but yeah, I mean, for the reported fee we did pay, I think it's a good bit of business. You know, another player, a bit like uh, Harry Darling, you know, six was left on this deal, was you know really keen to come here. And I think a key quote from Jules himself was that he wants to play for Russell Martin. And I think that's been the first time we've seen that clear of a statement from a player joining. You know, often it's about a team and how what type of football we play. But I think for Jules to say that he wants to play for the manager is a really interesting uh, quote and actually quite an encouraging one, in my opinion. So, Joe, what, what were your thoughts on Jules coming in? I believe it was like, what, 9.30 in the evening on the, on the night? Yeah, I do, I, yeah, I do think, I don't think it was just a, a last-minute thing, though I do think it had been in yeah, the works yeah. anyway, yeah. which is, um, you know, but once just, you know, again, it's good to see that, you know, something happens, we lose someone and a replacement is on, on the cards and it's, you know, it's not just a body, it's someone that we believe will grow with us. And, you know, I think, you know, I think he's almost been looked at as Dean Lewington's long-term successor. He's um, he's very athletic, um, agile, just a bit like Lewington. Um, but <laughs> I think that, um, I think that, I think as well in this system, it's great to have that sort of quality on the left because we, we're used to Dean Lewington, you know, he, he, when he gets forward, he, he really does have some quality and, with Jules, I think he's quite a powerful character. So, you know, having that little bit of little bit extra on that left hand side, you know, maybe overlapping with Harvey, that sort of thing, that could um, really be quite something going forward. And also, he's a good age. I think he's either twenty three or twenty four. Twenty three, so, yeah. Yeah. So, in, in, so exactly. So, and he's played games before. So it's not as if, you know, with some of the signings, they've been sort of, you know, like the Brown signing and O'Reilly signing, for instance. They've obviously got technical quality, but there's still it's just a you know will they step up? But with Jules, it's a it's a proven you know football league player with a lot of potential, and you know 
we, we've seen with someone like Harry Darling that a player in a different system might actually suit them even more and it might make them excel. And, you know, it's good as well just to, you know, and this is a more um, general statement, but that Pete and uh, Andy Cullen, they're actually backing Russ. And I think it's credit to Russ and Liam Sweeten and the team for how they've invested uh, money they've had so far, how they've made use of the free transfers to, and made some really sensible signings. So it's good to see that, you know, not as a, as a reward as such, but, you know, I think due to their work, they're now being trusted and they are being backed from uh, from upstairs, which is good good news. Yeah, it seems upstairs has learned from their mistakes from that championship season, hasn't it? Um, of course, we could have signed certain players for certain fees and we didn't. And um, we bit us in the ass, quite frankly. Um, and this time around, it seems that whilst we're not in championship yet, um, we're putting the right building blocks in place where we can get to that stage in the near future. At least, well, at least hopefully anyway. Um, Ross, what were your thoughts on uh, Zach Jules joining from Warsaw on the day? Um, I think you think he's quite a versatile player, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I felt like he was our most important uh, signing on the deadline day. Um, felt like we, we just needed cover because we were um, quite um, light on numbers at the back. Um, but I feel like Louis is getting to an age where he can't, just, he can't be playing two to three games a week. And I know um, what everyone will say, and we know that he's a unit, but um, you just can't do it at his age. And I'd like to see Jules come in, and as you say, Liam, um, not immediately, but near the uh, in the near future as such. But from the scouting report video, which the club released, you can just tell he loves a challenge, and most importantly, he loves to carry the ball up the pitch, which suits Russell Martin's system to a tee. Yeah, I was really happy with it, actually. And it just shows, as sort of Joe said, the intent that the club is showing, you know, backing the manager, spending these fees on players where in the past we definitely wouldn't have done that. Um, would have waited until summer and try and get these guys on a free when there's dozens of clubs after them and we have no chance, quite frankly. Uh, whereas we're jumping the gun this time and, you know, having a bit about us rather than not doing that. And um, that was kind of the sense also for the other Deadland Day signing. And uh, Will Grigg, he's uh, back at the club, of course, had that infamous uh, season with us. We went getting promotion from League One uh, to the Championship. He scored, I think it was 20 plus goals, kind of exact number. Um, and of course, you know, it's nice nostalgic signing, of course, but I think from a footballing standpoint, it makes a lot of sense as well. Um, from the reported wage packages that was released, um, you know, we're getting the, the better end of the stick, quite frankly, in terms of that side of things. And I feel like there's not much, there's not really a better place for Will to come in terms of trying to re rejuvenate his career. Of course, there was the things that happened with Shrewsbury. Um, but he said himself, he only wanted to come to Milton Keynes uh, or come back to Milton Keynes to say sorry. And as soon as Russ Martin picked up that phone to try and get him back, he uh, jumped at the chance. And we're really happy to have him. And um, I'm sure, Ross, that you agree that Will Gregg was a Brilliant bit of business, quite frankly. Well, obviously, you two boys know my views um, from when we got linked with this, and uh, I was sceptical <laughs> about this. And uh, this this quote will make you two laugh. Uh, Form is temporary, class is permanent. I remember um, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but as, as you say, Liam, um, we create we create the chances in the system well, and um, obviously with Cammy dropping um, deep and doing the Morris role as such. Um, I feel like Greg um, will, I'm hoping, will benefit off that 
And overall, if Rui can get on form, he can propel us into the top half easy. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's the women's situation for both clubs, right? Because let's say Greg, for example, scores 10 goals. And, you know, in that short period of time, he, you know, as I said, rejuvenates his career, Bridget flies us up the tail, maybe not to the status where we could do anything at the end, in the end of the season, but, you know, to a decent top half finish. You know, he's going to have clubs, you know, wanting him in the summer, including us. And, that's going to look brilliant on Sunderland. And of course, they spend a lot of money on his wages, so we know he's not even a player technically. But I think the only way he doesn't benefit both clubs is that if Greg just decides that, well, or not Greg, or the Sunderland fans have proven right in that he's not the player he used to be. And he has a poor spell here, you know, only scores a few goals and really doesn't impress a lot. Um, and that that's not going to help either club because Sunderland are still going to have that player they need to sell who hasn't really done too much in the past few years for them and us in general um, Joe do you agree that it's a win-win for both clubs in terms of the Greg move or do you feel that one side benefits more than the other um, I think from us it's you know I think it's a sensible move because we do need I think you know Jerome does need a bit of help up there I think we, we, we know that Brown's being eased in and like you said, Mason, he's been good in spells, but maybe not as consistent as we'd like. And we know about his previous injury record. So for us, it's sensible back, sensible cover. Um, I think one thing Russ mentioned as well, that it's not a sentimental signing because he wasn't here when Russ was, uh, he wasn't here when uh, Will Grigg was. So, you know, they're not just signing him because he scored 20 odd goals a few years ago. Um, one thing I would like, I would just like to mention is um, that in when Will Grigg did play for MK, he played that, you know, the single striker role um, in the 4-2-3-1, which Carl Robinson played. And a lot of the time he would, you know, be coming deep and linking up play. So it would be interesting to see out of Grig and Jerome, which one would be the one coming a bit deeper, which one would be making the runs in behind. Um, just just, just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, in terms of Sunderland, yeah, if he does well and goes back, great. <laughs> yeah, great, for, good for them. Um, it would be interesting to know that if he, did do half decent, whether or not we'd have a go at getting him, or you know, I don't know what his contract situation is, or if there's any any uh, bit, bits in the loan about maybe we can get him disc, you know, for a certain fee. I've you know, I've no idea, but it it, it would be interesting um, just to see how that would develop. But you know, say he does have a good spell, then you know, Sunderland, he could even he go straight to Sunderland's team, or you know, maybe they they think right, well, he's still a good player, but it just doesn't really suit our system. And and I think that that happens a lot with players. You see, you know, at one club they'll be doing, you know, not not so great. But as soon as they, you know, get get sent to another club, but they get a new lease of life, or it's a different system which actually suits how they play. So yeah, I'm really just intrigued, looking forward to it. And well, yeah, it's great to have them back, isn't it? Yeah, we have to wait a little while for him to play, don't we? It's uh, Tuesday against Rochdale, the rearranged fixture, which we is the first potential time we can see him. Um, of course, he can't play against Sunderland due to loan agreements. But yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the link up play actually. So I didn't think of at the time. So interesting. I'm not too sure actually what we're going. Yeah, with I, that. I have no idea which way it will go. So it's it's certainly uh, maybe I'm sure Russ has something in his mind. Uh, of course, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, I mean, Ross, if did you have to, would you sway aside if you had to, like Jerome or Greg in the build up play, or are you sort of fifty fifty the same as me and Joe? Yeah, you can't you can't really side just yet, can you? 
Russ has brought him in for a reason, and obviously we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, I'm excited. I am actually excited for that one. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. Okay, um, so we asked uh, you guys, the listeners, to give us your ratings on the window. And we've got our own, so we'll touch on ours uh, after yours. But rating from 1 to 10, how you think the window went? Of course, taking into account all the incomings, all the outgoings, etc. And um, on the whole, fairly positive. Um, at Real Paul Stevens said uh, 10 out of 10. Uh, reduced the wage and got rid of some dead weight uh, and brought some young hungry players and hopefully we can get Greg back to his old form with some flame emojis so I think we can all agree with that um, he also says it's a shame losing Willow and Paul but uh, you know Darling's coming and been pretty good himself um, Ricky underscore part I want six four said 8 out of 10 uh, would have been a 10 if no centre-back came in um, and he was he's a bit concerned about the lack of depth if we get a few injuries at that position which I'd say is fair enough um, who else have we got here? Let's go with uh, this one here. It's an interesting one, actually. Um, Robbo, who said he thinks it's the best win they've ever had at the club, uh, which is a really interesting take. Um, and he says we're really good at goalkeeper depth, quite frankly, with Nichols and Fisher, which I'm sure we can agree with. And the midfield is just full of technical, really good technical players. And he thinks we've got a good, decent depth for goal scoring now uh, up front. And we'll round off with one more. Let's go with uh, Matt underscore Wilcox, who said uh, 8 out of 10 as well. So same as Ricky. And he said um, he feels we're, we'll miss the Morris work ethic and selfishness. But if you know Cammy can keep up what he's doing, then you know we should be covered there. And he feels that we've had upgrades on each player that have moved on, which is completely fair enough. Um, and he kind of agrees with Ricky in terms of how he feels we're, we're a bit short at the back. So I'll pass it on to you, Joe, based off those thoughts. Thank you, everyone, to send those in. Um, what's your rating on the Jane Trump's window for the Dons? And give us some reasons why. So I've gone for eight out of ten. So very, very solid. Um, and again, there's only you know the only reason it's it's not higher is is just that potential, just just you know that extra little bit of cover. Um, not centre back for me because um, I believe Halton can play at centre back, and he's not too far off. And obviously, we've we've seen Louis Thompson uh, play centre back, who I've actually thought, despite everything, I don't think any of the goals are actually his fault. Um, so you know, we've got a couple of players that can drop in if required. But um, I'm actually, I think maybe out wide, I, I would have liked potential another player out wide, someone to compete with Harvey, and because I think Sorinola's now going to maybe be more, uh, it's going to be more Sorinola and Laird on the right hand side. Um, but maybe if we had another guy to compete on the left. Or you know, or if Sorinola's going to be primarily on the left, maybe another guy to compete with Laird on the right side, and you know, and 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 you know, moving forward, Laird's not going to be here next season, so it would be nice maybe to have had another option there. Um, but I think one one of the most impressive things we've done this window is you know, with, with Keo and Paul, we've we've got six figure fees. I, I, that's, I believe that's uh, those are the sort of numbers that've been reported. So you know, if we've done that for two players, you know, one one key player. But he was also 34 years old, and then another one in, uh, you know, a young player that was, you know, on the fringes. I'd say that's excellent business. And to replace them with two players under the age of, I believe you're going to move on to this league. But you know, to replace them in two players under the age of 23 in <clears throat> Darlin and Jules, I think is, you know, absolutely brilliant. I think um, just as well in, in, with Willow and Cargill leaving, I think. You know, I think it makes our squad a little bit weaker, but in, but in 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 all honesty, I think they'll be on first team wages. So I think it's sensible 
business from the club. And, you know, as we've mentioned, the, 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 the players that have been brought in seem to be, if they're maybe not quite at the level, they seem to definitely have the potential to exceed the level of who they've replaced. And they all seem to be much more suited to Russell Martin's style of play. And I, just one other thing, um, Liam Sweetin has uh, mentioned about working with, uh, the club's been working with um, a, a, some scouting tools from a company called Market Insights. And I think that's really good to see that we're, you know, we're using these, you know, these these advanced uh, scouting tools and we're, you know, we're, we're getting help from outside. And, and uh, you know, I think from from what we've seen so far, it seems that quite a few of these you know, look to be really, really good finds. So it's good to be the club, good to see the club being so open-minded. Yeah, I believe it's um, Nathan is the only free scout for the Dons. I think it was uh, Darling and Jules were actually the two that um, they worked with Market Insights on in terms of identifying and actually utilising actually their tools. Um, so yeah, well done to those gents, and I know some listened to the pod. So thank you very much as well. Um, but yeah, it's really pleasing. Um, I think for me myself. I've gone eight out of ten, um, but same as you, Joe. Um, I think for me, losing Reeves and Keo at the time were really big blows. Um, but to bring in the likes of Harry Darn and Jules uh, is more than adequate. They may play different positions, especially Jules and Reeves, you know, opposite sides of the defence. But the point still stands for me. Um, as some of the listeners alluded to, we got rid of some you know, non-set to expire dead money in the squad, quite frankly, which wasn't really being used effectively. And we've replaced it with young and upcoming talent who fit the ROI model, and also, as Joe mentioned, have that upside that they're not they're not declining; they're on the rise. And if they hit, we're in the money, or we've got a really good squad that can push on to the championship, and who knows after that. And if that happens every season, every window, then we're going to have more good seasons than not, and we're going to keep excelling as a team. I don't think you can really complain at that. Um, it's interesting to me that no one actually mentioned the overhaul as well, how that's going to affect chemistry and confidence. It's it's a bit of a revolving door, weren't it, for January? I don't think we'll ever see a January window as busy as that. I suppose for Rusto, it was a summer mark too, um, as he kind of referred well, to. Well, he said he wanted to do a lot of it in summer. Yeah. And it's funny, weren't it? Because that Liam Sweetin pod, which you can listen to, by the way, um, if you scroll down the podcast uh, episodes, he mentioned how we could have six, seven incomings. It's like a jokey sort of point. And we ended up having six. So <laughs> um, that was interesting. Um, but yeah, look, I'm, I'm overall pretty pleased. Um, I would like to see a few more players, but we've got six players in and O'Hor on a permanent. And we can't really ask them much more, to be completely honest. It, it seemed a bit greedy to ask them much more when some clubs haven't even signed one or two players this window. Um, Ross, we'll finish off with your thoughts. What was your rating for the January transfer window? And they give us a few reasons why. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Um, I think my reasons are the same as you, you guys about the fringe players and high earners. Um, we've added some serious depth in the squad, um, which will make competition for places even higher. And I think the most important thing, um, especially in this current climate, um, not only we've improved short term, but financially we are better off. And you've got to credit the club for that because of um, we've seen certain clubs not be, being able to make signings um, due to um, strict being strict on money. And um, Russ has been given the funds. And with all these players coming out the door, door um, you just can't afford to have them sort of players on the bench with with the salaries caps come in place. Uh, sal- sal- sorry, 
salary caps uh, coming into place next season. Bit of a tongue twister there, wasn't it, Ross? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a really important point, actually. And touched on, you know, the club are ultimately financially better off this from this window, which is really important in this environment. You know, unfortunately, they can't do anything about the pitch right now, um, which Russ alluded to in his um, presser after the game in the Papa John's Trophy game, which is, of course, frustrating. Um, and it's not a time thing, it's a money thing. But if we can build towards that and hopefully address it in the summer, that would be terrific because we, we need to, quite frankly. We can't really play on that pitch next season, bloody hell. Um, but yeah, I think overall, we're really pleased with how the window went and we've got some really, really serious players here. And some will impact it now, like Harry Darling have, and some will impact it later on, like I feel Jules will and Brown will. Um, and yeah, it's really hopeful, really exciting, and uh, well done to all the boys of the recruitment team. And uh, thank you very much to Market Insights for the help on uh, Darling and Jules signings. So we'll we've covered uh, AFC window, we've covered the Jane Trans window, and now we'll get on to Saturday and facing Sunderland again. Um, so, yeah, we'll pass it over to me and Ross talking to Josh from Speaks on the Podcast. Welcome back. Um, so, after reviewing the uh, game that we came against AC Wimbledon and reviewing the transfer window, we turn our heads to Saturday. And uh, a, very, a very familiar opponent, obviously, played them the other night in the uh, Papa John's Trophy where we got humbly beat, quite frankly. Um, so, we won't touch too much on that performance, but... We'll definitely look ahead to the league game in which both teams, I'm sure, will have plenty of their first-team players back. And to get a good analysis on Sunderland and the opposition, we've welcomed on a Josh from the Speak Sunderland podcast. So, Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, mate. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, obviously, last night was uh, an interesting performance, yeah. to say the least. Um, but, you know, we're going to have... Well, that team look a lot different. Um, I'm sure me and Ross can vouch for that and uh, hopefully be a bit yeah. more competitive game for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, um, obviously, the last time we played Sunderland was a little while ago. You had a different manager for starters. Um, so, give us a bit of background on what's happened since we last played for Sunderland's perspective. Um, <clears throat> in terms of, obviously, the manager changes, obviously, the biggest change that we have seen at the club, obviously, the takeovers close to happening that was supposed to happen last month that's dragged on for I think about 15 months now so you know as fans as I'm sure you'll understand as well you know when takeovers room it to happen it never happens it does get frustrating but obviously since the last time we played you um you know I think we've only actually lost twice in the league obviously that game against you was obviously it was at home and I think you can correct me if I'm wrong on this but I think that was your first away win in something like 14 months yeah, it was a long time for sure. Yeah, free, like that, uh, yeah. So obviously, to say that we've only lost twice in that time sounds good, but at the same time, we've drawn seven, um, obviously, which is also the reason we didn't actually go up two seasons ago. Like We were a hard team to beat, but you know, in the games that we concede, we don't actually win. And I looked just before we recorded this, um, one of the stats that I found quite interesting was out of the games that we've won this season, we've only actually conceded in one of them. Um, so obviously it's good that you're winning with clean sheets, but at the same time, you know, if you concede the first goal, if we concede the first goal, you know, you can almost turn the TV off and not miss anything. But it's a, it's a weird one, that yeah. Yeah, exactly same as us. We tend to protect leads really well. I think every game we've played this season, bar Burnley, where we've taken lead, we've won the game. 
Um, so this shows you it could be quite a really, it was a really tight game on Saturday. And whoever gets that first goal, vividly share on this podcast, who gets the first goal wins the game. But uh, yeah. I think this week, especially, it's going to be really uh, vital. So you you mentioned, of course, um, you know Johnson coming in. What would you say is, or what would you say are some of the bigger differences between you know Parkinson side and a uh, Lee Johnson side? Um, it's a difficult one, really, because in terms of the performance, right, there's really not much difference at all, really. Um, the only the only difference you will say is the formation. Um, obviously, I think yesterday against you in the cup, we played like a four triple two. Um, whereas under Parkinson, we played like a three or or five at the back, depending on how you look on it. But at the end of the day, these are still Parkinson's players. So while Lee Johnson is the manager, these are still realistically a full Parkinson side. These are the players that he signed over a year and a half at the club. So, you know, the play style is very similar. You know, it's a lot of, as you saw yesterday and definitely against us in the league at home, a lot of backwards passing, a lot of sideways passing. You know, just kind of recycling the possession, but not actually doing much with it. Um, and obviously, that's no criticism to Johnson because, you know, he's had one transfer window here. You've got the takeover looming, which always affects the club and everything around it. But hopefully in the future, you'll start to see more of a attacking side, I'd like to think. Because I know when we sat, um, appointed Johnson, we spoke to some of the Bristol City fans who say he does like to play attacking football. Um, you know, he does like to create chances. And I think between the game that he took charge of against Wigan, which was obviously on the same day he was actually appointed, um, and the week after, there was a lot, there was a big difference in terms of the stats. I think there was crosses against Wigan coming in from the halfway line, just from anywhere on the pitch. And the week after, I can't remember who we played, but as he likes to call it, it's the Pomo, obviously the position of maximum opportunity where you can just get the ball in the box. You're against League One defenders, anything can happen. Um, again, as we saw yesterday when we put a ball in the box, it ended up in your own net. But yeah. it's just like that, and it'll it'll eventually come. And you know, hopefully, we stick with Johnson. And it's baffling that you know a couple of bad results sees some something fans claiming he should be sacked. But you know, it's like that at any club, you get some to put it politely, some wrongings. Um, but yeah, hopefully, things can start looking a bit more bright in the future. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, from an MK perspective, I know I'll, I'll address it to Ross, actually. Um, from what I noticed from last night's game compared to November, I felt Sunderland in general was a bit more clinical. Um, you mm. know, of course, White came on later on in the game and obviously took one away against um, our defence. And I felt, the, you know, it was it three shots on target, I believe, and all three went in. So yeah. it just shows you that the players they've got top now, they're the same, they're the same individuals, but maybe they've, you know, just got a bit of, or maybe maybe it's a different coach type of thing, different coach, different mentality, things like that. But it seems to be addressed that problem. Whereas before, they were really struggling to put chances away, and they were having all this possession, but not really doing much too, too much with it. Yeah, I think obviously one of the biggest, other bigger changes since Parkinson left was Aidan McGeady. Um, yeah, obviously Parkinson, for whatever reason, didn't like him, and you know I, I think he's. Um, I think he was on side of his podcast before Lee Johnson came in and he kind of explained the situation. He was just like kind of thrown out into the street for no reason. Like no one knew what he'd done wrong. He didn't know what he'd done wrong. And people just thought, you know, McGeady wanted more for the club than Phil Parkinson did. Um, so he just didn't play him. And Johnson came in again, as I say, he came in on a Wigan game and he brought him straight back into the team. And again, he got a goal yesterday Poor goalkeeping, but he's got the goal there. He's had a few goals since he came back into the team. And 
you know, he's on his day. He's 34 years old, 35 years old, whatever it is. I think he's a player that any team in the league would like to have because he can just make anything from nothing. Um, but again, that's just one of the things that fans like about Johnson as well, bringing him back into the team. Yeah, definitely. I think um, any, I said any team in the league would love Aidan McGeady as in part of their like attacking potential. Um, Ross, I don't know if you noticed it, um, but for me, definitely, there, there seems to be a lot more pace about that Sunderland team from what we saw in a previous matchup. Um, and I wonder if you want to touch on a few players that you felt really introduced that more pace that you know I saw at least. I don't know if you saw that as well on uh, last night. I, th- I think Josh mentioned it in Aidan McGeady. Um, I- I'm a big admirer of his. I believe he's a championship player. Easy. And um, things just didn't work out, obviously, under previous management under Parkinson. Um but on his day, I remember watching him um, when you guys were in the championship, and he just loves yeah. to attack uh, the wing backs or the the uh, defenders, and he's he's got the tricks. Um, he's not scared to take on his man. And at the end of the day, um, if you've got a player with his ability um, at League One, you, you're going to do well. And um, if Sunderland do don't get uh, promoted this season, I'll be surprised if they can keep hold of him. Um, yeah. I know you said that his age. He's still 34, but um, from last night's performance, it, it, he didn't look 35, I can tell you that now. But um, yeah. one player I wanted to just touch upon, and I've read it in a few reports um, from up north, um, was Jack Diamond. And I just mm. wanted to gather your thoughts, Josh, um, on Jack Diamond, because he's, he's got the potential to be a good youngster. And um, I haven't really been paying attention to him, um, obviously, for being an MK fan. I just wanted to gather some of your thoughts on him. Yeah, um, it's a strange one, Diamond, because obviously Sunderland throughout the years up until kind of like last season have had a lot of young players actually come through the team. Obviously, George Honeyman was one of the first to come through. Um, obviously, if you go even further than back, you've got Jordan Henderson, Jordan Pickford who came through the academy. You've got George Honeyman, Lyndon Gooch, Josh Madger, Azorbo, Diamond, Dan Neal. You know, they've all been involved in the first team recently and Diamond and Neil obviously played yesterday. And... Um, Again, under Parkinson, Diamond was, you know, as you saw yesterday, as anyone saw yesterday, he likes to beat his man. He likes to get a ball in the box. He likes to cut in. Parkinson was playing him as a right back when he was our manager. And it was another thing that no one really understood because he's, he can't defend. He's still a young player. He hasn't got the, you know, the physical attributes that you need to be a defender. Um, but Lee Johnson came in. I think he started in his first game and, he just offers something different that we haven't had for so long. As again, going back to the pace thing, like pretty much, you know, even in the Premier League years, we've lacked so much pace in our squad. You know, you've got the likes of, obviously, before uh, the transfer window, you had Danny Graham in the team, you've got Gwent Nedbit in the team, you've got Aidan McGeady in the team, Chris McGuire. They're not the quickest players. And against some teams, that'll work. Um, you know, it'll knock the ball around, it'll create something, but which didn't have the players to get in behind. And, Yesterday's performance, which, again, it was a weird one. It was so different to what we've seen recently because you've got Gooch who can run in behind Diamond and Jordan Jones, who obviously made his debut. But I think Diamond will get better. Obviously, the more game time he gets, um, you know, he is still raw. Some of his decision-making is still quite poor. And I'm not sure if you really noticed it on the stream, but that mullet that he has is absolutely shocking. I don't know if you could say that, but he is a player that you know a lot of Sunderland fans and Lee Johnson as well has has high hopes for, definitely. 
You touched on the transfer there briefly there, Josh, and I'll get your thoughts on it in the whole now. Obviously, you brought in a few players and lost a few on deadline day in particular. What were your general thoughts on Sunderland's transfer window as a whole? Were you impressed or were you unimpressed? Um, in general, you know, if, if you were ranking out of 10, I'd probably give it like an 8. I think, you know, left-back was was priority to sign. Obviously, Denver Hume, again, another player that's came through the academy. Um, he's injured and he's been out for a few months and I think he's still a month or two away now and Obviously, McFadden went off injured yesterday, but he hasn't really impressed since he came into the team either. So, um, obviously, we signed Jake Wilkins from Southampton, who actually played against Arsenal, I think, last week. So he's a good addition to the squad. You know, a bit of pace down the left, and just just a different option, really. Um, obviously, Winchester's came in. I don't really know much about him. Forest Green. I know he worked with uh, Lee Johnson. I think it was at Oldham. Although I'm not sure on that one. Again, I haven't seen too much of him. Don't really know. You know what he's going to bring to the team. Jordan Jones, as you saw yesterday, I think it was in the first five minutes, he got the ball and he drove forward with it. And that's just something that we haven't seen for such a long time because no one will do that. We'll play a backwards pass or a sideways pass. Um, and obviously the other player we brought in was some unknown striker really from Scotland and Ross Stewart. Um, I think he's still coming back from an injury, so didn't play yesterday and I don't think he'll be involved in on Saturday. But I think in terms of anywhere else we could have strengthened, um, possibly a weird one because Lee Burge, he's a league one keeper, he's not a bad keeper and I think he actually has the most clean sheets in the league um, but he's still very shaky. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the goals that we conceded against Gillingham last week but he just seems to get stuck in the middle of nowhere at times and obviously we had John McLaughlin for so long and we kind of become accustomed to having a goalkeeper as good as him whereas in reality he's probably not a league one goalkeeper um, but again a right back could have been an option but we've got Lugo Nyan back um, albeit he can't take throw in because of his shoulder and max power and obviously Danny Graham left the club um, he was released and he's I think it's comfortable to say he's the worst striker I've ever seen at Sunderland obviously I think he's been here for I think that's his, this season that he's played will have been his third season as a Sunderland player and he scored one goal um, and that one goal was actually someone else's shot that deflected off him and went in so it wasn't really his goal but to see him go was good Embleton left on loan an interesting one and obviously Will Grigg who I'm sure we'll get on to at some point um, so he's joined MK Dons on loan and Sunderland fans have mixed thoughts on him but yeah, I'll not say too much for now yeah, um, obviously you mentioned the elephant in the room, Will Greg. Um, I think my thoughts on the whole movie is it's a win-win for everyone, so long as Greg actually shows some promise here. Mm. I think the worst thing that could happen, I think I'm sure Ross will agree with me here, is that Greg, you know, comes in, doesn't really do a lot, kind of proves most of the fans right in a sense, and goes back to you know up north and Sunderland struggle to you know offload him to another club, and it could even yeah. be us if he does well here. Um, but yeah, I think it's a win for both clubs. You know, we've got a reasonably good deal if you believe the reported wage package that you know we're paying, and you know, so they're still paying the majority of the wages. And you know, he's come back to a club where he did really well. And quite frankly, we should have signed him for the million pounds we had the chance uh, for yeah. four seasons ago now. Um, so yeah, I think for me, on Grig, you know, it just it's obviously a good transfer for us. And I think if we can with the coach and team we've got here, I think we can definitely. Uh, well, hopefully at least get him firing and for the system we have, it can, can create a lot of chances and Grig 
should be able to put some of them away. Um, like Joe Mason has recently and has like Cammy Jerome has the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, Ross, I know we've probably talked a bit about Greg already, um, but from a Sunderland perspective, what would your thoughts be on the move in general? Yeah, well, I, I know I've I've read a few reports on Sunderland um, saying um, he's ne- never celebrated like this um, when we referred back to the uh, Manu goal uh, with his chest. He's never celebrated like that against Sunderland and he didn't have the right attitude as such. And maybe, and this is not throwing sh- uh, shade at Sunderland at uh, any point, but I feel like um, Sunderland from top to bottom is stagnated as such. And um, there isn't a positive environment around the place. Um, obviously, we've getting relegated from the Prem all the way down to League One. And I feel like, um, especially under Lee Johnson, he started to give a few players um, who you wouldn't wouldn't uh, see under previous man- management a chance. But overall, I feel like, as Liam, you've just said, it's good for both parties because if he if he performs, Sunderland can keep him if they choose to, or they can sell him on. Um, but at the moment, it doesn't. I don't see it see Sunderland uh, keeping him because of they made it clear that they wanted to offload him and um, it, I'm just happy to see him back in the MK shirt really Yeah it'll be um, it'll be nice to obviously can't play on Saturday of course um, so his first well, potential game is Rochdale uh, away which is rearranged so hopefully we see him there um, but folks have focus of course back to Saturday and um, we're getting to our predicted start 11s um, I'll kick off with you, Ross. Uh, what's your predicted start eleven for the Dons heading into the second match of the week against Sunderland? Yeah, you're going to see a different change um, set of Dons uh, at the weekend. Obviously, a few players being cup tied against um, Sunderland on Tuesday. Um, the back line I've gone with Ohora, Darling, and Louis. I think that's just our set back three now. I don't think it'll feel like we can change it. Um, and then I've gone with Harvey and Laird out on the wings. Now, it'll be interesting to see how Laird gets on, especially against this um, Sunderland side. Um, and then I've gone in the middle. I've gone with uh, Fraser, O'Reilly and Thompson. I feel like that three worked well against uh, AFC. And um, I feel like if we're going to have any joy out of this game, it's going to be through uh, Fraser and O'Reilly. And uh, I've gone with Cammy and um, Sutherland's favourite, obviously, for his tweets. Um, mm-hmm. We won't refer to them. Um, <laughs> and I've gone with Mason up top as well. Obviously, with Greg uh, not being able to play, I think it's far too early still for Brown. And, um, yeah, so I've gone with them two up top. Yeah, assuming you've got um, a Fisher in goal, Ross. Oh, um... yeah, Fisher. That... Sorry, sorry about that. That was just a... Uh... <laughs> Cemented his number one spot. No, exactly. It's almost uh, you know, coffee and paste every week. But no, yes, exactly. Um, my my um, eleven is exactly the same. Actually, um, yeah. I mean, getting players at Darling back on Saturdays and he's so pivotal. I feel Louis Thompson did okay as centre centre back, but we. I, <laughs> I think to have bring uh, Darling back and he's had back to back man match performances since he came in is going to be an absolute lifesaver. Quite frankly. And um, and and Fisher come back in goal. You know, a player who's much suited to more to the system, um, and is really more comfortable with his feet than Lee Nichols um, has shown us so far. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. I think um, 
it's interesting to have Sunderland set up in particular because you know I'm sure we'll get on to Jay, um, Josh's lineup very shortly. But if Luke 9 isn't in that midfield again, I think Scott Fraser could run the show again. Quite frankly, I think Luke 9 did a really good job of managing him last night. Um, I think it was 100% ground and air duels won uh, in the whole game, and I felt he was definitely the man of the match uh, in general for both. Well, the whole game in general. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether that does happen. And I'm curious, um, Josh, do you have Luca Nani in midfield in your sort of predicted starting eleven for the game? Um, it's a weird one because yesterday's game has kind of just changed everything about you know what you kind of expect to happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, even a goalkeeper for Saturday, I'm not sure who will start because. As I said a bit earlier, Lee Burge has been shaky. I thought Remy Matthews came in yesterday or last night, sorry, and you know he made a few decent saves. And there was one in the second half that he tipped on the post, and you know he looked a decent keeper. Um, so in terms of that, I don't even know who was starting goal, but you know I'd imagine Lee Burge would probably start. Um, Max Power's been at right back for the last few weeks, and um, obviously he is normally midfielder. He has moved there recently. Tom Flanagan, um, who I said on Twitter, he either plays like Titus Bramble. Or Paolo Maldini, there's no in between. He's either shocking or really good at this level. Um, and I thought he was decent yesterday. So, Bailey Wright, obviously, we signed him from Bristol City. He's been out with concussion. He might come back in, but I'll go with John Willis and Bailey Wright at the back. Um, and obviously, McFadden got injured at left back. So, I think Jacob Hawkins will make his debut. Midfield, um, Grant Nedbett has started almost every game this season. Um, and I think he's really shown his quality this season. Um, you know, he hasn't got the legs, as you saw at times last night. You know, if you run past him, you might as well not be there. Um, I think Luke O'Neill will probably start in midfield. You know, as I said, I think he was one of our better players last night. Um, Dan Neal, obviously the young player, 18-year-old. He was rumoured to go out on loan this window, but never did. Um, I think Lee Johnson won some around the kind of fight for his place. And I think he had a good game. But Josh Gowen, again, he's a player that Lee Johnson likes, but I'd like to see Luke nine in midfield, but I think he'll probably go with Josh Gowen. Aidan McGeady, he's almost nailed on to start as long as he's fit. Um, and I'm sure he'll not be too too pleased about that one if he's on his day, because like I said, he can you know, he can, he can score from anywhere, really. Um, Jordan Jones, first game yesterday, I don't know how fit he is. I'd like to think he'd start, but if not, come on as a sub for the last 30, 35 minutes and Jack Diamond might get the start. Um, but obviously moving on to the front two, the only player that I think is nailed on to start the game will be will be Charlie Wyke. Um, obviously, I think he's 16 goals if you take last night into consideration this season, which I think is more than he's got in his last two or three seasons combined for Sunderland. You know, prior to this season, I think I labelled him as one of the worst strikers we've actually had. Probably even worse than Danny Graham was. Um, but obviously he started scoring this season. Similar to Grigg, you know, when Grigg was here, I was one of the fans that was always trying to defend him. Like, if you get that goal, you know, maybe push on, get two or three more. But, you know, Charlie White got that goal. He got another goal. And just, you know, it really is a game of confidence for a striker. Um, so I'd expect him to start. And then obviously Lyndon Gooch as well. He looked a bit knackered yesterday, but I'd like to think he'd start up front as well. Yeah, I'll be very surprised after that performance Midweek, if O nine isn't in the starting eleven, um, it wouldn't make much sense to you know 
he wasn't as mean rostered. It wasn't the complete team yesterday, but in terms of what Fraser was doing, that is what kind of does. He does every weekend. I think for Luke to be able to stop that quite well, I feel Lee Johnson, you know, he isn't stupid. He's going to see that and think, oh, okay, I'll, I'll play him again. And I think we'll play a better alongside him as well. That's going to be two players who are quite hard to get past. And uh, yeah, it's strong 11 at 100% and it's going to be a difficult game. So we're getting to our predictions uh, before we round off the episode. Um, Ross, I'll kick off with you. Uh, how do you think Saturday's going to go in uh, MKV Sunderland Mark II? Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a completely different game to the one on Tuesday. Obviously, with um, us being a lot stronger than what we were, I feel like Sunderland will be stronger as well. Um, it's going to be a tight game in my eyes. Um, I know with the last meeting against uh, Sunderland where they edged us through the gooch, um, Magnificent strike. Um, it was a tight game as well. Um, but I feel like the key matchup in this um, match is Charlie White versus Darling. I feel like if Darling keeps them quiet, I feel like we can neutralise this Sunderland team and punish them with the quality we've got in our system. But saying that, if we do stop White, as Josh has said, we've got to stop um, McGeady as well. And um, it's. I feel like it's going to... Um, we're going to have to warrant a performance where we've the best we've played this season. And uh, I've, I've gone with a 2-1 Dons victory. Um, but obviously, it's going to be a tight game, as, as I've said. And uh, let's just hope we can uh, get a, uh, some three points to uh, push us up the table even more. Yeah, I mean, I've said in a previous podcast or a previous podcast that I feel the first two games of Darling have been easier games he dealt with Pickett well but I feel Charlie White is a different player completely in terms of quality and you know everything just better and it'll be interesting to see how he deals with him and this would be the real test for him I feel if he deals with him well here then he's going to go on leaps and bounds but a setback could happen I mean as as Josh mentioned Charlie White's been scoring for fun this season and you know with typically with teams that are better in the air and teams that like to encourage set pieces. We've struggled with it against them. Um, so that's why I'm a bit cautious in my prediction. Um, I've gone with a 1-1. I feel that, as Ross mentioned, completely different game. It'll be two different sides with different players involved. And um, they could count each other out quite well. Um, and I think, you know, they're a pretty good away team. I believe it's 12 and beat. And I'm sure Josh will uh, correct me on that if that's wrong. Um, but yeah, I think a point for either team will be a good result. And especially for us, in which, you know, after poor performance, we're looking to bounce back and it helps face the same opposition you just faced as well. Um, so, yeah, Josh, what's your prediction for Saturday? What are you thinking? Um, I think you've got to kind of, again, going on to the form, I think it's, I think we've lost one of our last 12. I think it's something like that, but I'm not sure if that was in the league. Um, trying to think who that might have been against... Um, I'm not sure about that. We are in good form, although it doesn't yeah. actually feel like we're in good form. Um, and one of the stats that will kind of, uh, I suppose, persuade my prediction for the game is the fact that we and Manchester United are the only two teams in England not to lose an away game this season. And I think in the league, I'm not entirely on the sh- on the exact number, but I think away from home in the league, we've only conceded four goals away from home this season um, might be a couple more it's either four or seven I think it is so 
And again, going back to what I said right at the start, you know, when we win games, we tend to clean, clean sheets. So with our away form in question, our overall form, you know, I think it's only right to kind of go with a, a 2-0 win. 5-0 aggregate win over the course of a week, I'd take it. Um, but like I said, I think White will be involved. Hopefully he can get a goal. Um, you know, I'll be interested to see how Jordan Jones gets on again. Um, but yeah, it'll be another close game. Obviously Cameron Jerome. I think after after last night's game and some of the comments he got back after what he said in the home game, I think he'll be looking to obviously get a goal so he can, so he can tweet about it again. But yeah, it'll be a close game, but yeah, I'm going to go with a, a 2-0. Yeah, um, I was saying on a, the What The Fact podcast with Graham that you know Cameron Jerome thrives off that sort of attention. So there's another fans yeah. to give it to him after scoring the Pizza Cup trophy is a bit of a, a nice little gift, quite frankly. Against our kids, may I say, yeah. in the last 20 <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was a nice little gift from us and done to us, and hopefully, um, you know, he can make him pay for that. But we'll see. It's you know, it's as you said, it's no, it's a difficult game for sure. And um, I'm kind of glad Ross Stewart can't trade until Monday because uh, I think if he was involved as well, we could be we could be in trouble. Yeah. Um, but thank you very much for coming on, Josh. Um, if you want to uh, yeah, plug anything like the podcast, feel free. Yeah. The only thing I will say as a kind of plug is I don't know if you've seen it before. Um, it was a few months ago we did release, as obviously speaks on them, we did release our own Sunderland shirts. They are Sunderland shirts, but the away shirt is not actually related to Sunderland at all. It's just a, a blue and black shirt. And obviously all money raised from that is going to the Bradley Lowry Foundation. Um, I think they go back on sale for a couple of weeks, hopefully at the end of this week, um, in a couple of days' time. So you could check them out. Maybe give them a share, see if anyone... Like the blue away shirt, they are quite nice. And like I say, they're not actually related to Sunderland at all, the away shirt. So it's always worth a look. Yeah, so once we get the three points on Saturday, make sure you guys check that out. And um, yeah, thank you very much again, Josh. And um, no that brings the uh, end of the episode to episode 31. Uh, thank you very much for listening once again. I know I appreciate it's a long episode, but um, if you got here, thank you very much once again. And um, if you could rate, review and subscribe, that would be excellent. And come on, you dons. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.